Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that there is more to confidence in the bedroom or the kitchen or the sex club or a stairwell or the woods or wherever you are. There's so much more to sex wherever you do it than just jackhammering away. But if all you're missing in your relationship is some mutually beneficial stiffness, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office with the doctors that never got trained in sex ed and how to talk to people about it, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They say that there is nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Of course, I know you sweet listeners know that using confidence to connect, if you can be confident enough to be really vulnerable with someone, to communicate, to create a safe space that you occupy together, that is super hot. That's the foundation of a connection. And if you have a boner, that can definitely help you do certain things that you know that I love, just as long as you don't skip all the other stuff too. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. And as they say, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER. At checkout, you just pay $5 shipping. That is bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wyo Lee, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we explore eroticism together with our words, inviting hot discussions where we can learn more about our sexy selves, lead better laid lives, and make the world a lovelier fucking place. Our guest today is an erotic romance author, host of the Erotica Fiction and Sexuality podcast, Oh Fuck Yeah with Ruin Willow, a voiceover artist, audiobook narrator, and sex blogger who is into power play, exhibitionism, and outdoor sex. Welcome, Ruin Willow. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm super excited for you to be here. Can you start off by telling us if you had to rate yourself on a sexual shame meter? From one, being totally shameless, to ten, being super duper full of shame, where do you fall right now? Oh, right now, I am way better than I ever have been in my <sighs> entire life. Hmm, I'm thinking I'm down at a one or a zero because I have shed a lot of shame, baby. <sighs> Hell yes. <laughs> Amazing. I actually like to tell this story because I think it's kind of horrific. When I was in, like, maybe elementary school, I was so excited. I came to my mom. I was, like, pumped. I was, like, mom, when I touch between my legs, it feels amazing. And she looked at me and she said, you shouldn't be doing that. Oh, yes. And you know, that one sentence impacted me. So you know what I did? I became a grinder. So I wasn't touching. <laughs> Very smart of you. <laughs> pillows, stuffed animals, you name it, you know, my hand and pillows were great. I love pillows, but they couldn't be too squishy. They had to be a little bit firm, right? Squishy was bad. They just smush. You know, okay. there's no firmness. And then going on, nothing really got better. You know, I got the talk and it was more about pregnancy and the medical stuff. Okay. Same with school. The sex ed was medical. It wasn't pleasurable. They didn't even say the word clit. I don't even think they, maybe they didn't know the word clit. I don't know, but they didn't mention that. And then time went on. It just never got better. I had the whole religious shaming thing as well. And then 
all of a sudden, I decided that was it. I was in my 40s and I decided I'm getting a sex toy. And then my world exploded. (gasps) Okay. Wow, wow, wow. I want to slow down and back up just a little bit. It sounds like you got just the most bare bones basic talk, maybe not the most supportive talk from a parent. Did anyone ever give you a lesson in consent growing up? Did you ever even have that concept enter your sphere? No. Okay. No, not at all. I think most of the things I saw in consent were like people violating it, like on TV yeah. and movies. You know, it wasn't anything positive or sexy or, hey, you know, this is okay to say. You know, there was nothing really positive about yeah. consent that I saw as a young person. Okay. What about pleasure? Pleasure was really not mentioned. It was taboo. Like I said, my mother said, you shouldn't be doing that. So I was telling her about pleasure very excitedly as an innocent child. Yeah. And I got shut down just right from the get-go. So for me, it took me a long time to really get it and to really understand my body. I mean, it really took me a very long time to understand my body. And really, honestly, sex toys is what helped me understand my body the best. Okay. And do you feel comfy saying how long ago the sex toy 40s discovery was? Like, how far in are you? Still pretty recent. Still pretty recent. Okay. Amazing. (laughs) Amazing. But I have a lot of sex toys now. I have like 50. So I've gone from one extreme to the other. So Okay. How do you store them and how do you decide which ones to use when? Well, I have my favorites for sure. And I store them all over. I have some upstairs in the bedroom. I have some in my office. I have a one in a drawer. And, you know, I have my favorites. So not that I don't like the other ones. And I'm one of these people like, you know, often... Companies will reach out to me and be like, hey, will you review our sex toy? And I have a really hard time saying sex toys suck because they're either an edger or a finisher. So if they aren't a finisher, I still have a hard time saying they're bad because they can still move me towards that, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I love the variety. Okay. I'm laughing, though, also because as I hear you say, like, oh, I have sex toys in my office. I'm imagining you, like, narrating a sexy audiobook and being like pause and just being like (laughs) oh I've done that and writing too I've done the same thing and my friend created this sex toy which is absolutely fantastic she's a writer herself and so she created this I always call it a pussy saddle it's a little toy that sits on your chair and you can rock (gasps) on it and grind where do we get that (laughs) it's the ruby glow so she created it Mm mm-hmm and, and she has a different one too, the Ruby Blush now, but she created this for herself when she was writing stories and then she marketed it because she wanted to get off while she was writing. Isn't that brilliant? I think she's I love brilliant. that. I love that. I started <laughs> writing erotica like during the pandemic and there were days where I was sitting there just like mm. in my bed, like touching myself and writing and just being like, this is my life. How is this so good? So can you tell us now what is sexy to ruin Willow? Like what is your personal definition? What are things that you find sexy? What is sexy to you? Sexy to me is anything that I feel sexy doing, anything that I enjoy. I like to present myself to the world, too, with like sexy pictures on social media. Sexy to me is consent. It is, you know, talking about sex and doing what I want and not going too far Mm -hmm. in my boundaries. You know, sexy to me is me knowing what I want and my partner knowing what I want and not crossing those boundaries. You know, that's sexy to me. And power play is sexy to me for sure. I like sex outside. That's always fun. Can't go wrong with that. Yeah. And there's so much to enjoy. It's hard to pinpoint, but that's some things, I guess. Do you feel comfortable sharing any particular favorite types of sensations? Not, we don't have to give too specific, but just per your comfort, like body feelings wise, physical sensations wise, what is sex? Well, I like to call myself a clit junkie because I definitely am. Okay. <laughs> One of my favorite sex toys is the Zumio, which is a very pinpointed external clitoral stimulator and it looks kind of like a pen 
Zumio, Z-U-M-I-O. They're a Canadian company and I've tried three of them. I think they have four different styles. I've tried three of the four and they really helped me. This is really cool. This is something I figured out only because of this toy. And it's something called clip mapping. Because it's so pinpointed with this toy, you can touch it on little parts of your clit and figure out which one is more stimulating. And I've found out with this toy only that my right side is more sensitive and very reactive compared to other parts. It's so amazing. If you have not tried this toy, and if you think about it, okay, right? Like say you take a clit sucker. Okay, that goes all the way around your clit. You're touching every part of your clit, right? That's a lot for me. Now you take something like the Zumio, which is a very fine pinpointed toy. You can put it on different parts and figure out which part drives you wild more than the others. Great. Damn. Love <laughs> it. Check out that toy. Love that. I've okay. tried the blue, purple, and black I've tried. Oh, my God. There's different colors. This is so wonderful. Amazing. <laughs> okay. Any other thoughts on, like, sexy sexiness in general, either specifically or conceptually? I love nature. So, I guess that's why I like outdoor sex. The oh, sounds, yes. the feels, the smells, all of that is so sensual and sexy to me. Just, you know, the breeze. Are you more like up against a rock or tree or do you like want a picnic blanket or like a camping tent situation? Like, do you care? What's your preferred? Yes. Yes. All of the above. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay. So what do you think counts as sex? I guess to me more it's touching, actual physical presence. I mean, I know you can do things, you know, with your brain, but to me, actual sex is touching. You have to be touching each other. And can you tell us now, like, what does your sex-related work life look like at this moment? We heard about it a little bit in the introduction, but give us some details. Let us know if you identify as a sex worker and just take us through your, like, day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, whatever feels most, like, relevant and exciting to you. Well, I don't know that I necessarily do identify as a sex worker because I'm never naked anywhere that people can see publicly. I consider myself, I guess, more of a writer, an author, a content creator, and a performer, which I know some people sometimes think of that as a sex worker. But I guess I really don't because I really came into all of this writing erotica as a writer, which is still my base. So I did not expect to be doing audiobooks or the podcast. And so for me, I still feel that base as a writer, an erotic writer, mm-hmm. and just a writer in general, because I've written my entire life and I, I write under my real name as well as Ruin Willow. So writing is my base. I mean, I know some people say that that kind of stuff does cross over into the sex worker, but I don't necessarily feel like I identify as one. You know, I mean, I guess I do create scenarios and sounds and things for people to enjoy. So in that way, yeah. I sort of am, but fun. <laughs> fun. I love that. I also just like love. You know, in the same way that some people are like, I'm a penis owner and I'll suck a cock, but I'm straight, you know, maybe just have a hint of heteroflexibility. I love that we can all kind of like do similar things, but I I think it's totally valid that our reasoning and sense of identity behind it are different. You know, I'm still kind of like figuring that out for myself. A lot of the stuff that I do is pretty sex workery. So I've just started to like explore owning that identity more and the parts, you know, it's really funny the places I notice that I do feel like a sex worker. And the places that I don't, even though it's like a fucking higgledy-piggledy mess. So thank you for that (laughs) thoughtful, thoughtful answer. Okay, so you tell us details, though, of like your writing, your writing process and like how you got into erotic writing and just work as a writer in general. Obviously, I'm assuming you're kind of like me. You're a reader, maybe. Oh my gosh, yes. And you know, especially when I was a child, I would like read a book on a weekend. Like I was always reading. I drove my sister crazy because she's like, come play a game. And I'm like, no, I'm reading a book. And so... 
I always like to read the little junky teenage romance novels. You know, like those were all my, I just did you devour those? those all over. I just, I consumed them. I had, when I moved out, I had boxes of these books. You know, I don't even know where they are now. I probably got rid of them, but I started out writing romance. And in about, let's see, 2019 is when I started my Twitter account. And I really wanted to add sex into the romance because I felt like, and I still feel this way, that romance and relationships have sex in them. They have fucking in them. So to not have that there, I feel like it's not a full picture of the romance or the story. So I wanted to have the sex in there. I wanted the fucking. I wanted to see what are they going to do in the bedroom. I don't want the door shut and be like, sorry, you don't get to know this part. No, 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 no. So I wanted to have that in there. So in about 2019, I started my Twitter, and that was my first foray into writing anything erotica. And it's just grown from there into I got a website, a podcast, books, and audiobooks. And when I first started out, I was just going to write erotica. I get inspiration all different ways. Like things just pop in my head. I'm one of those people that I never have writer's block. I never have an idea to not write a book. I have Same. too many. You know, yeah, I, mean? I have too many. You're a fantasy <laughs> machine. I got a big list of things I'm trying to get through. And I've done different things. Let's see. Sometimes I've started with the character. Sometimes I've started with the scene or the sex act. Right now I'm doing something very different that I've never done before. And the book I'm writing right now, I'm not writing it chronologically. And I'm sharing parts of it through my podcast in through medium. So I'm sharing pieces of it before it's even like done. And so I'm taking people along the ride as I'm writing this book. And I've never done it before. It's really interesting and exciting. And I'm getting ideas from people more. I don't know. It's just a fun process. So I've done all different things, I guess. I'm not just a one track person. Okay. And so are you, do you have a favorite time of day to write? Is there overlap with your self-pleasure in the writing process for you? And like, are you inspired by your audience or are you like writing per your own desires? Like, how do you kind of like make those choices? I definitely use my own desires and fantasies, but I also love to pull in things. Like recently, I just asked on Twitter people to tell me, sometimes I'll do polls on Twitter and I ask people to tell me things about you know, I was writing a blowjob scene. So I was asking people to tell me stuff about that. And people DM'd me and I actually pulled pieces of their stories and put it into my book. Sometimes I have had to stop writing to go pleasure myself. That has definitely happened to me before. (laughs) I like to write in the morning. Morning is best for me when my head isn't clouded with everything else that I have to do. So for me, I really tend to write early in the mornings before anything else is bombarding me. Beautiful. So one thing I have been actually asking people about in the world a lot lately that you just hit upon is the idea of romance. Mm. Through talking to hundreds of people very deeply about their sex lives and now being a person that oftentimes will like hear a relational situation and observe the patterns. And that's how I kind of like helped my coaching clients. I'm sort of in this place where I'm like, okay, I maybe don't have the social brain that most people have, or certainly not that people project on me when they look at me. Like, they think I'm a popular kid, Mm. and I don't know what's happening. (laughs) I don't understand romance. Can you explain it to me? What is romantic to you? To me, romance is paying attention to each other. I mean, romance can be even something as simple as caring for the other person, doing something for them outside the bedroom. You know what I mean? Like, but is it romantic because you're leading up to the bedroom? Like, does romance exist without? Well, no, I guess there's lots of ace people are romantic. Well, one thing, the the way where I'm going with this is I recently interviewed someone who is a sex expert and a romance expert, relationship expert. And she said, 
everything you do outside of the bedroom is foreplay for the bedroom. And I really liked that sentence. It really makes sense to me. You know, if you're not paying attention to your partner's needs or doing things for them outside the bedroom, they're going to feel like crap. Like say you have dishes all over your counter. You're overwhelmed by that. But if your partner helps you take care of that, that's already foreplay because you're both getting ready to have a clearer mind to go and play. Totally. Do you think there is a difference between that sort of real life romance and maybe like the romance that we put into a romance novel proceed? Or or is that something that you are finding is like a genre trend, like more realistic kind of scenarios? Well, I definitely buck the usual romance tropes. Like, I know there's a specific way to write a romance story. And I always say, fuck you to that, because I'm going to do my own thing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to fit into a formula. For instance, some people do romance books. Okay, so they meet each other. They fall apart. They come back together. They fall apart. They piss each other off. It takes them forever to get together. And maybe the end of the story, they finally kiss. The end of the book, they finally kiss. And that's it. No, I don't like a book that's a full long tease. I want to see some meaty stuff in the middle, not this back and forth where you're, I hate you, I love you, I hate you, I love you. Okay, finally, we're going to get together and kiss. Like to me, that's just falls short and it's not exciting and I don't want it. So I would rather see them like, you know, having lots of sex in the book, you know, instead of waiting until the end to be like, okay, finally, we like each other. Let's kiss. Blah. So you are including romance, but building in the physical element of the relationship throughout the entire story is what I'm hearing, I think. Yes, I definitely do that. That's amazing. Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. If you were listening to this, you are probably like me and you love sex. And you also know that fantastic sex takes more than just a boner. But if that's all that's missing in your connection with your partner, check out bluechew.com. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. You know, that's my favorite. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with the awkwardness that exists because physicians are not often given great guidance about how to talk about sensitive personal things like boner softness, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. With Blue Chew, penis owners everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. And you know I love a good package. And I have to say, am I allowed to say this? It was very hot when I had a partner who I already had a good, trusting, open relationship. He'd been working on his anxiety, cutting down on screens, meditating, he quit smoking, he started exercising regular, cutting out processed foods, all of that stuff. He was just of a certain age, and I'll just say... The night that he told me he was making his package arrive, it was a very super hot extra layer of turn-on for me personally. So if it's for you, this is a super convenient resource. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com, chew it, and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to BlueChew for sponsoring the podcast. Okay, what would you say is your like favorite part about your work right now? I really like writing. I love to make audiobooks, but it's very arduous. 
you know, editing audio is very arduous. So oh, it takes yeah, a really we know long it. Time. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I like creating an audiobook once it's done, but I really like to write. That's the thing I really love to do. I really like acting. I like the narration, but the actual editing is is painful. So when I create an audiobook, I write it, I narrate it, I edit it. So I do all pieces. Okay. And so you're narrating primarily your own writing. I have a good mix, I guess. I have narrated for five or six authors besides myself. How do you manage your time? That seems like a lot of stuff. Well, I'm kind of (laughs) hyper and I'm very determined. I'm a workaholic. I work a lot. And so I have published a lot of books in a short amount of time, uh, audiobooks and written books. So I'm just kind of tireless. I'm going like fire, baby. Okay. Have you ever gotten any funny or interesting reactions when you tell people what you do? Or how out are you where with whom? So we know there's a Ruin Willow, like you have fans who talk to the Ruin. What's that like for you? Not very many people know I'm Ruin Willow, who really know who I am. So people either know me as my real name or as Ruin Willow. There's a handful of people that know me as both, but it isn't very many. And usually when I tell people, they ask me what I'm doing, I say I write under a pen name. I might say it's, you know, spicy romance. But I'm not at the point where I'm really saying, hey, this is me. This is my pen name. This is what I'm writing. I've told a few people, but not many. Okay. What about the people who know you as Ruin? Like, do you interact with them? Do you hear from the people who are your readers or audience very often? Like, what kind of reactions do you get from them? Well, they love both sides of me, which makes me think sometimes I should be out on both sides and just, you know, be me wide. But they love both sides of me. And I just like positive reactions especially people who know both sides of me, very, very, very positive reactions. Okay. What would you say makes you excellent at what you do? I would say for writer, I'm very, very open-minded. And I write things that probably people who know me as my real name would be shocked. No, not probably. They would be. They would be quite shocked what I've written. And I'm not done yet. I have a lot more places to go. And for narration, same thing. Like I've narrated things that have been so fun. I love to play like the naughty girl, the naughty character. Like that is so much fun to play. One of the books I did that was really fun was where a girl, she's hurting for money and it's written by B.E. Wolf, the short story. And so she's hurting for money and she really needs money. So she is accepting this offer to meet people in a house And she doesn't get to see anything or know anything. And she has to be videoed while she's having sex. She has to like meet certain criteria. And so she just goes in this house and she gets fucked and she ends up loving it. And so it's all about her journey and her experience where she was, you know, scared to the point where when she's having sex, she's orgasming and she can't believe it. And it's amazing. And it was so fun to narrate that part because it's so taboo. You know, the whole goal of the video is just going to be put online and people are going to see it. They're going to see her face. That was part of the thing. They have to see her face. No name attached. So it was really fun to act that out and be that character and do such a thing because that's a taboo thing to do, to have yourself openly having sex online and people see her face and see her reactions. It was just really fun. Yeah. Taboo is another thing I'm still trying to figure out along with romance. Okay, what would you say are the sexiest and least sexy parts of your work? Oh, the least sexy is definitely editing audio because that's, as we said, is very painstaking. The sexiest part is probably writing the stories and the narration because it's so fun to act out the parts. 
I really enjoy doing that, especially when it's something that I probably would never be able to do in my life. You know, like that whole video thing. I don't know. I've just done a lot of different things. I also narrate for Amber Collins, which is really fun. She writes a lot of size erotica where people are growing and shrinking and they're having sex. You know, things like someone shrinks down and becomes a human dildo. Someone becomes a goddess and a giantess. Like, it's really fun. She writes all these amazing things. They're like fantasy, sci-fi, erotica. And so I have a lot of fun narrating her stuff. I've done quite a bit of her stuff. So that never ceases to be not fun. It's always awesome. (laughs) That's amazing. What have you noticed or learned about sex-related shame, either in your audience or just from people you're encountering through your work? I see a lot of shame. Like I have a lot of people who interact with me, especially on Twitter, and they're talking about shame or shame from their partners. And it's really sad because I feel like it's really prevalent. Shame is really prevalent in our country because we're so prudish. You know, we got the whole Puritan background and it depends on where you live in the country. Like I'm in the Midwest where it's very, you know, it's not nearly as open as it is on each coast, you know. So it's very different here. It's more vanilla. If there are things, it's, you know, hidden or not known. It's not out in the open. And so you must experience, you know, because you, you're you talking to people on Twitter and in these online spaces and existing in this other sphere. Do you ever get feedback from Internet humans about the content of your work specifically? Like sometimes I'll get people who are like, actually very frequently, I get people who are writing to me about my own kink and they're like, how dare you use the word master? And I'm like, well, go educate yourself about kink. It's like I have a master slave situation, like not anymore, but like that's my kink. Do you ever get feedback like that that kind of like reflects other people's just like where they're at in their education or shame leanings? I have, but for the most part, most people like what I'm doing. I haven't run into too many people as far as at least the topics of my books. But yeah, I can totally imagine what you're saying. People don't like that term. But you know, terms are subjective. So for us to judge like that, I just, I have an issue with people that judge. I I don't like judgment. I love that you're not getting that. I love that you're just mostly surrounded by fans. (laughs) That's fucking awesome. So far. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's great though. That's super great. But I do get people who have negative comments too. I mean, it's not like I don't get negative reviews or whatever. I still get that too. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Okay, so since you began this work, have you noticed any sex-related trends in erotica, in the things that you're narrating, or just even in the jobs that you're getting? Like, I'm always so curious about patterns and trends and things you might see or know about that I would never be aware of. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely this whole size erotica is macrophilia, macrophilia and microphilia. I had never even heard of that before Mm -hmm. I started narrating. And the only reason I found it is because Amber was putting out all these calls for narrators to narrate for her. So that's one that I definitely had no idea about. The first story I read of hers, I was just like laughing hysterically because I'm like, people are growing big, they're getting small and they're having sex and they're becoming dildos or they're becoming big and they can easily give a blowjob. It was just mind blowing. And so definitely that's one trend that I didn't know about that is much bigger of a kink than I realized because there's entire websites devoted to this particular kink, this fetish. I had no idea. Like Giantess City, for instance, I narrated two books for her. They're really short books, but these two, they're lesbians and they're two, they grow big at a carnival. They're kind of demolishing the carnival, but they're also like kissing. And every time they're sexual, they get bigger. I mean, they get like, I don't know, two or 300 feet <laughs> so big, right? Cool. 
And then the next book, they go to Paris. And so someone has paid them money to destroy Paris. So that part is a pretty destructive story. I thought you were going to say they were going to fuck the Eiffel Tower. I was like, cool. They do. Okay, that's a total spoiler, but that's what they do in the end. That's their dildo. Oh, good. Okay. Tower. That's, I mean, you got mm, to, yeah. right? That's that's a missed opportunity of that. Oh, my God. I love it. I love exactly. it. <laughs> oh, wow. So it's just crazy, crazy stories. Her mind goes all over the place. It's amazing. <laughs> wow. Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor, and they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice. So I'm very excited, and I'm going to do my best. Did you know? The Flora app is a safe place to open up, embrace your desires, and find like-minded people. This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams, discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities, all thanks to Flora. As life's routines settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories, so they downloaded Flora and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Fleur's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily, a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages, until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection. A shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Floor app celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Floor invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Floor now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today. Okay, so in as much detail as you feel comfy, how has your work influenced or informed your own sex life? Obviously, we heard a little bit about kind of like the day-to-day inspiration where it might inspire pleasure. On a larger level, is there stuff you've tried? Is there stuff you've explored? Like, what can you tell us about your personal details? Well, definitely, it has made my sex toy usage explode. And it's definitely made me curious to try other things. And there aren't a whole lot of opportunities to do things where I live, not huge opportunities. So in real life, it's been a little harder to explore that particular new things that I want to try. But at home and sex toys, I've just been able to just do way more than I ever have in my life. So that's been a wonderful journey. And I just feel so bad when I hear women that don't want to try sex toys. I'm like, you don't know what you're missing. out. I know people who are actually scared of sex toys. Mm -hmm. They're like literally scared of them. Like they think that they're going to hurt them or they're going to get lost. Or I'm like, how could they get lost? You know, (laughs) we're not like Mm -hmm. infinite inside. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not going to like go in there and be lost. And if it was, you just go to the hospital and they'll help you, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's, again, where shame comes in, right? I know, I definitely know some uh, some doctors who've told shame-ridden stories about all the things they find in the ER. Damn, that just makes me want to have, like, pleasure practice for all available. I know, <laughs> I know. So totally. Can you tell us now what the boundaries between your work life and personal life look like? Obviously, you have your persona split, but beyond that, like, how do you organize in your brain sexy self-time, sexy work time? 
I do have to be careful. I mean, I, obviously having the two personas, I have to be careful because I do a lot under, well, not a lot under my real name. I do more under Ruin right now than I do my real name, but I do have to be careful with that. But I don't know. I guess since I work from home, there doesn't really need to be a separation much. I just kind of do it when I want. If I feel like I want to go get off, I go get off. I'm not like rigid in my work schedule, which is really nice. So it's very, very flexible and I can do what I want when I want. I love that. So it sounds like your everyday life informs your work life and vice versa. Like, and you have a pretty fluid kind of like flow. I love that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Very fluid. Yeah. Are there any sex related norms in this world that you're aware of right now that you would like to shift? Yeah. I wish that people would not be so judgmental. I guess I have a big issue with people who judge each other's kinks and fetishes. You know, like, why do we have to go there? You know, it doesn't have to be like that. It's, you're not defined by your sex acts. You know what I mean? We are who we are. If you do a particular sex act, that doesn't mean you're that way. We're not defined by what we do. We're defined by who we are. And I guess that's a big thing for me that bugs me because some people look at sex acts as defining of who someone is. And it isn't. I mean, one day you might enjoy watching gay porn. The next day you might like watching I don't know, giant test porn, like we're just talking about. I mean, we're not defined by what we enjoy sexually. We're defined by who we are. And I guess that's one thing I'd like to bust. I am thinking deeply about that because I'm sitting here being <laughs> like, oh, my God, can I even unwrap my own identity from how much I like sex? Especially over the past few years, I've just gone so deeply down the rabbit hole. And I'm like, who am I mm. without sex? I mean, because because I don't know. Right. I don't know the answer. And like, I don't know that I'm a being if I don't have my sexual identity. So that's a really layered nuance. But I also see what you're saying, where it's like, just because I do this certain, just because I've maybe had someone pee in my mouth doesn't mean that that's all there is to me. Certainly not. Exactly. However, I would be curious to know. I mean, you don't have your identities connected. Presumably part of that is because it would then define you in a certain way. I certainly noticed that like once I like, stepped more into these sex worky things, it absolutely mm -hmm. defines me. Like the people who know more details about everything that I do, it does. So I, I hear what you're saying. There's a call for kind of that, that broadening. So what do you think it, instead, what does define us? I just think whatever we want to do, like I think it's very fluid, like we were talking about earlier. Like you don't have to say, I only like this one thing. You know, and I think that's too confining because I don't think there's anybody out there. I mean, you hear you hear people like only do like missionary sex or something. OK, maybe that's a, a form they're trying to fit into, but that doesn't apply to their entire fantasy life. I don't believe that for a second, you know, so they're mm. like kind of denying themselves doing all different things. But there might be stuck in a rut thinking this is the only thing we're allowed to do, like, you know. Okay. I don't know. We need to be more open, I guess. I think we need to be more open about everybody I'm and not be judging. It. And I think mm -hmm. we got to support each other in that openness and help each other mm -hmm. get, all our, get all our pleasure needs met. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so if you could wave a magic wand and teach everyone everywhere something about sex, maybe sexual communication, maybe erotic literature, whatever you want, what would it be? What do you wish we could teach everyone? I wish we could teach everyone to realize that their bodies can give them massive amounts of pleasure. I often will get people who approach me 
on Twitter or something like, you know, my wife doesn't want to have sex anymore. What can I do? Like people will sometimes come to me for advice, even though I'm not a coach <laughs> or anything, but you know, like I'm this presence and I'm, I'm creating this content. So people will sometimes ask me these things. And I wish that I feel really sad when I hear stories of people that maybe haven't climax or don't realize that they're climaxing. I don't understand what climaxing means. Like they don't understand their bodies. I wish people understood their bodies better so that they could realize how much pleasure they can actually have. Yeah. In terms of hot work-related sex stories to share, we haven't really actually talked about your podcast at all. Do you want to share about it? Sure. I love to create erotica. I really started the podcast for erotic fiction, but then I started to do some interviews. And the interviews have just been so valuable to me because I really feel like I've taken classes in sexuality, talking to all these amazing experts, coaches, doctors, people who are at dominatrix. I mean, I have talked to so many different people that I feel like I've received an education on sexuality just through my interviews alone. And so it's so valuable to me personally and to be able to put that out there for people. I think erotica is a tool. Erotica is a tool for people to get off, to enjoy their bodies, to maybe discuss different types of sexuality or different sexual acts, to introduce your partner, to explore, to get off or foreplay. So to me, erotica is a tool for sexuality. And so I love to provide that for people. I just love to create stories around it. So when I created the podcast, that was my thought was to create erotica. But then the interviews started coming and they've just been so valuable too. So right now I'm kind of in the pattern where I do an erotic fiction story on Tuesdays and then I release a interview on Fridays. Can I ask you one more like pretty nerdy word related question? I love Absolutely. defining stuff and just getting it. Okay. <laughs> what is your personal definition of like erotic versus sexy? Like, what makes something erotic? What is the erotic? I think erotic is more personal than sexy. Like sometimes sexy feels to me like what someone says, oh, you're sexy, like someone from the outside sees. For me, the word erotica or erotic is more personal. Erotic or erotica is more personal to what you like and sexy is, oh, you look sexy or, oh, you're being sexy. It's more where someone's looking at you, perceiving you that way versus something that's erotic. It's more personal in what you really want or, or see as sexy yourself. What about like what makes something erotic literature versus, say, like trashy smut? Is that just taste? Is that, you know, what makes something pornographic? I was talking to my lawyer recently and I was like, sir, mm. I can't understand these definitions. What do you, <laughs> he was like, he's like, well, like gratification, like, you know, because I'm like, I want to make sure that my erotic photography offerings are not getting me in trouble if I happen to have personal relations with a client. You know, like I'm just like checking in on all the laws. <laughs> and he's talking about, you know, obviously exchange for money and actual like gratification. And I was like, of course I would be gratified if there was sex. He was like, no, the other person. And I was like, what? You know, so I'm trying to figure out these like legal terms of what is obscenity? What it, and, and again, we're not speaking legally here. This is just. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I just went down like a word nerd rabbit hole because he was like, <laughs> well, if it's smut, it's different than if it's educational content. Because a lot of what I want to make is adult educational erotic content that is you know, crossing off my personal bucket list items. So like, what do you think makes erotica? Like, I don't know, shall we be snooty about it? Like there is a difference between, you know, it sounds like you really put work into what you do. And it's not just like vomit smut, you know, people can make sexy money on anything, right? So like, I would love to hear your two cents. Well, first of all, I think that's silly. You can't control what another person is going to do on the other side of your content. That's like silly. But I do think there is different levels of erotica. Like for me, I see a difference between 
there's erotic romance, which has more of a storyline and more romance. Then there's erotica that may have a little bit less. And then there's smut, who might just be sex acts. You may have a little bit of a story, but the story is less important than the actual sex act. So it depends on where you fall along that. But I still don't feel like, I don't know. Your, so your lawyer's trying to figure out where you lie in that and is it okay? I think it's so so individual and so subjective. I don't know how you even define that. I mean, how does somebody say they don't get off from erotic romance or even regular romance, but they do off a of smut? It's like personal. So how do you define such a thing? So that's separate from the legal question. I'm just going into the word of like, okay. what do you think counts as erotic? You know, mm-hmm. and, and kind of pointing out how silly the words are and how arbitrary they are because they are based yeah. on something. You know, my lawyer was just telling me, he's like, look, these are the risks and you don't, you'll never know. Yeah, <laughs> it just depends right. on who's on the other end. But like, <laughs> yeah, but that's, yeah. but that's why I'm, I'm always curious about like your personal expertise. So keeping it in the realm of just like what makes it erotic for you. And is there a certain, you know, value judgment on type of word or crassness or where it's published or how it shows up, you know, because that, that matters to a lot of people in ways that I'm learning that I never was aware of before. It does. And I think word usage is an issue. Like some writers will never use the word cunt. Can I ask how you feel about that word? I am totally fine with that word. I am not scared of any fucking words, but I think it's interesting how some, and I've seen this a lot with women, like you might be writing a story. If you use the word cunt, they're immediately turned off, Mm. but they're okay with pussy. And some people are opposite. Right. So it's so interesting. I think it's just so subjective. You know, there's, you you have to write what you're going to write because you're never going to please everybody. It's never going to happen. So if you want to use the word cunt, use the word cunt. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite way to make sure that I'm pleasing someone specifically with my erotic writing is for them to hire me for a bespoke piece. And then I'll find Mm. out their favorite words and I'll find (laughs) out their fantasies and I'll make that dream come true. (laughs) Right, exactly. That's fantastic. (laughs) Is that something that people can hire you to do as well? Mm -hmm. Yep. I have done commission stories and I do enjoy doing that. Yeah. And a few of them I've actually turned into podcast episodes where... I know. Isn't that fun? And the person just absolutely loved that. You know, first there was the story and then it turned into a podcast so they can listen to me read it and listen to me narrate it and do it over and over and over again. And it was their fantasy. Like, that's fantastic. That's so hot. That's so what a, mm-hmm. what a fucking gift, a literal fucking it gift is. that keeps on giving. OK, so here's another question for you, though. Do you still have time to read erotic fiction at all? I do try to. And one thing that actually forces me to do it, which I absolutely love, is my friend is she started an erotic publication on Medium, Wild Erotic Cravings. She asked me to be an editor. So it actually forces me because she takes half the week and I take the other half and we have to read the submissions and decide if we're going to publish them or not. So it forces me to read erotica. But I have way too many erotic books on my phone, on Kindle. I probably have like 50. I have like way too many that I'm never going to get to, but I want to read them all, you know? So it's a challenge. And then I have a bunch of audiobooks too, because people, that's the other thing with a podcast, you'll find people be like, oh, you should read this book. Oh, you should listen to this audiobook. So yeah. I have this like growing list, right? And maybe yeah. you do too. Oh, absolutely. But I'm I'm open to, I actually have not delved too much into erotic fan here and there when people send me stuff Mm. i'll listen to it Mm. and then if they don't give me a recommendation i usually go the informational route like i've been just reading every sex book available but not necessarily you know narrative fiction so i am open to your favorites and damn okay so tell us if there are any other hot work-related sex stories that you want to share with us 
The one story that I created, which is now also an audiobook and in my anthology, is The Licking Sip Coffee Shop. And that story came directly from a fantasy of mine that I developed in my 20s personally. And so this story, I just <laughs> I just added a new version of it. I hired the man who is your nightly desires, and he's on Pornhub, and he creates all these amazing audios. And so I hired him to do the male parts, which isn't very many in the in the story, but I just released that, and it was so much fun to do. And, and I have a few others that I want to develop into that type of a thing, too. It was really fun. And my favorite review of that book was the person who reviews a lot of my stuff, and she got on the treadmill, and she started reading that story and she's like, I had to get off. I could not stay on the treadmill. I'm like, that's the best review I've ever heard. I love that. She couldn't stay on the treadmill and read my story. I'm like, fuck yeah. (laughs) Amazing. Do you think she meant that literally? I had to get off? (laughs) I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know. I I took it as she had to get off the treadmill because she couldn't read it while working out. (laughs) I think she had to get off to go get off. It's going to be my best guess. (laughs) I think that's probably accurate, which is fantastic. (laughs) Okay. Speaking of fantastic things, I would like your help with this fantasy brainstorm. If you had an unlimited budget to build a sexy playroom or house or castle or whatever you want for yourself to represent your brand, what would it look like? Hmm. I would definitely want lots of sex furniture. Like when I write a story, I sometimes have gone on Amazon and like dreamt about because there is sex furniture on Amazon, you know, like a sex swing, a sex couch. I would love to have all different kinds of sex toys, sex chair in the room. Um, Definitely restraints would be fun. I really like food play too. Like that's really fun to me too. Obviously you couldn't, you'd maybe have a little fridge in there, like with whipped cream and strawberries and chocolate sauce. You know, yeah. why doesn't uh, anybody talk about that? Like I've talked to people who have sex rooms and they don't have a fridge. Why don't you have a fridge in there? You should have a fridge in there. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. You got to have a, the sensation play temperature sploshing, like the different, the different. Right. <laughs> you got an ice cube maker or ice cube oh, tray yeah. in there, you know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I would try lots of things, but those would be like probably the highlights of mine. I really, sex wing, I think is very sexy. That would be really fun to have in a sex room. Yeah. Fuck mm-hmm. Yeah. Ruin Willow, thank you so much for being a guest on Sex Stories. Where is the best place for people to find you on the internet? Probably on my link tree, which is where I have all of my links. Most of my links, not all of them, but a lot of my links are in my link tree. So you can go through and find where my books are, audiobooks, where I have subscription sites, and my social media, all that kind of stuff. So probably there or my website, ruinwillowauthor.com is a good place too. Awesome. Again, all those links are in the description below. Ruin, thank you so much for being a guest on Sex Stories. Thank you so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. Lovely humans. Thank you for listening. If you appreciate the work that I put into this podcast, I would love it if you took the time to leave us five stars and a nice review wherever you get your podcast, especially Spotify, since last year's troll attack on our ratings is still affecting our ability to be found via search. (laughs) I do love getting to know you and hearing your stories and meeting you lovely humans in real life. And remember, if you want to collaborate, apply to be a guest or leave us a single story voice memo via xstoriespodcast.com or sexstoriespodcast.com. Sex stories are always going to be my favorite, but now I also have question lists for love, friendship, dating, relationships, marriage, divorce, secrets, and so much more so that we can learn about connection through each other's experiences. 
I fucking love getting your emails and voice memos and receiving thoughtful noodle messages. It truly is hearing from you that fuels this work for me. And if you want to go deeper with me, get to know me, and support this podcast in meaningful, concrete ways, find me on Patreon, OnlyFans, FetLife, Venmo, Cash App, and all social media platforms at Wildly, or work with me privately for photo and video shoots, relationship support, creative breakthrough sessions, and retreats. Wiley.com slash links is where you can find the list of all the ways to play with me, and the link is in the description below. Thank you for joining me to spread ripples of love, to co-create a world where taking care of each other is the norm. Thank you for spoiling and inspiring me with your stories and your support. Please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and remember to share stories in the name of lovely human connection. 